I shot eight times in the last 30 minutes, bro. I'm good. <laughs> That's, you might need to go. The yeah, dude, that was. I know. I, I, mean, again, I wanted to do it. Like, I want this. Which, I mean, for you, I think you can shit. obviously take eight shits in 30 minutes because you're very quick. So. I mean, how? I mean, if you had the shits, how could you not be quick eight times in thirty? But like, if you really had to, you're like, oh, if you, oh, okay, I yeah, think that's it. You're like, I, no, if you were taking like massive dumps, like first of all, you're getting everything out. Like, you, you your intestines are falling out, all the excess body fat. Like, if it's a f- big fucking real shit, eight times in thirty minutes. Whew, man, maybe that's what I need. Maybe that's what I need. Take some. uh you just really got to take a shit. Take some colon blow and just go lose like 20 pounds. <laughs> there was, what was it? There was a story on, not a story, but someone was explaining on Reddit, like, what was, I, I forgot, what was a childhood thing that you thought was, that you thought was real? Or, I don't know what it was explaining, but essentially this guy said, he's like, I used to think people with big asses just really had a shit. That was like <laughs> the, one of his myths as a kid. So he would see like, <laughs> just like people with big asses like oh, oh and he would go up to his mom he's like oh mommy that lady really needs to take a poop oh my god <laughs> somehow i feel it's like that would be josh like somehow that was supposed to be josh growing up as a kid i think i was joking logic, with zane man. a while back and i said something like that I, we should tell our kid that the bigger the ass is the more <laughs> shit that's in it <laughs> i mean it'd be like that sometimes kid logic makes sense it's pure. It's it's imaginative. Pure, unlike these movies we watch, mm. bro. You're not pure. <laughs> Look, bro. It's pure will, art. Okay, how about that? The the one thing I sure. would say is not pure. Out of the both movies, is Jack Bauer would never fucking kill himself. Okay, he would have saved bro. us from that planet, bro. <laughs> bro, Jack Bauer would kill himself if it meant saving us. Okay, that's how that fucking true, true, G Jack true. Bauer is. He'd be like, oh shit, I gotta do it. But he didn't save shit. <laughs> no, no. So what have y'all been up to? Uh, Josh, you you ready for Teal Mask, bro? What is that? Yeah, I, ha- I requested that day off. <laughs> what is Teal Mask? But it uh, it's the DLC for Pokemon Scarlet Violet. Next expansion. But um, I think... Uh, because they've been doing a lot of global or global releases, so I think it technically might come out at late uh, September twelfth. I believe, right? I mean, if they release at the same time they do in Japan, yeah. Okay, yeah. Because when we get raids that are supposed to be on the following day, it shows up around like six, eight o'clock during the day or at at night. Unless so they're like, like oh, well, maybe, hey, we'll get Japanese, it. guess what? We love you more because you made this. And they just let them have it for like twelve hours before us. I'm I'm ready for that. Uh, I I didn't have anything to do this week. I mean, this uh this Tuesday though, I'm gonna go crazy with thrifting. I'm gonna go everywhere and see if I can find anything for good deals. Also, just get, because uh oh yeah, last week I went to go and pick up those VHSs that you never came and over at uh, Adrian's and came to get. And we have your stupid Anne of Green Gables mm-hmm. over here on VHS. Three, three, but, uh, three I'm box getting sets. VHS collecting. You now, piece of shit! They're my VHS, bro. That's too bad. That's oh, too bad. Dude, you, you call me a thief, and just like that, dude, you became what yeah, you hate well, most, you bro. Took my, you, you took you took. I'm just copying, <laughs> hey, it, bro. bro. There, yeah, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, dude. But you can't call me it anymore, dude. Like. <laughs> 
<laughs> this guy said, because uh, the three. Whatever, man. The th- I still have your Anna Green Gables. If you want it. It's all in the family, bro. It's all in the family. When one of us dies, it's all going to the other people anyway. <laughs> what yeah. is just this transfer of 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 useless wealth uh, until <laughs> you have kids wealth. bro <laughs> just go it's just these shitty heirlooms you're like oh man i remember when we had this movie the shitty anna green gables your brother loved this so to know i have it on it. dvd like if anything bro oh wow dvd is really what DVD. you want to be collecting but do you have it on laser disc um do you have no. it on betamax <laughs> I don't know if it's, it was a man. It was not. Would have been, dude. This guy was because they're sitting right here on the countertop next to your, like, by the chair with your hat on it still. And I said, "Are you gonna like send those to Zach or send him a picture?" He goes, "No, I'm gonna put them on eBay, and then whatever they charge, I'm gonna charge Zach <laughs> double." I said, "Damn, bro!" Like, <laughs> there's no, there's no point in putting on eBay. You can just go price check on eBay. True. And go to the price charting. What was the one you said something about the Avon Galeon VHS set? It's like price at oh, three twenty nine yeah. on there. Yeah, the full collection on on VHS is redonk. It is exactly that amount that Junior said. It's ridiculous. The VHS set, of course, dude. That's like yeah. twelve at least VHSs. Yeah, it had a, b- a bit of them. Yeah, like you're not just paying for one, and not to mention they probably didn't make a lot of them. Like it wasn't a popular. Show no. back whenever VHS was a popular, you know, medium. medium. Even the movie, even the movie, like that was elusive to, as well. Yeah, so I Just mean, it's a, it's a rarity thing, movie. I guess. Yeah, I'd be interested to know if there's anything that like has been edited out, like that was in those original runs. We actually get to see Shinji like actually jack off. Why? Why are you thinking about Shinji jacking off? You're nasty. Yeah, dude. Listen, bro. You, you saw what he did. Let's save nasty. it for the podcast, bro. In two weeks, nasty, bro. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> this is what happens, bro. The guy's a monster. Whatever. <clears throat> so, what else did y'all do this week? Well, since I asked him, I'll let Junior go. Oh, okay. No, dude. I mean, just the the normal run of the mill, same old shit, man. Just just grinding at work. Um, other than that, it's, oh, it's football, it's football time. So there's that. Mm. So, so, you know, obviously doing some parlays and I hit one last Sunday night, so I didn't have to pay my booker, my booker. I was going to say hooker, but my bookie, um, and my, and my hooker. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing like, uh, you know, there's a certain cap that like, if you, if you're over, he pays you and you pay him. So, um, Luckily, I hit a, a, a light, nice little Sunday night three-leg parlay and won enough money to go under that cap, so I didn't have to pay him. So that's always, you know, always a good feeling on Sunday as you're fighting off the Sunday scaries um, to get a little win. But other than that, like I said, just normal, normal run-of-the-mill stuff. What about you? Would you say you gamble for fun, or do you like gambling? No, I mean, I liked, I like both. I mean, I think this year so far, I've been more conscious as far as like just not to bet just to bet and have like multiple action on all you know what i mean if i'm watching i know i'm going to sit down and watch a game i'll put together a nice little what they call the in-game parlay so like you know either somebody to like win or lose by a certain amount of points and then a couple player props like you know so and so is going to have a touchdown and so that way i'm more engaged in the game you know what i mean while i'm watching it because then i'm like okay i got 
money on that guy. He needs another 20 yards, and I'm watching it more actively and sweating out the bet. So it just makes it a little bit more fun and entertaining. But uh, you know, money won is always sweeter than money earned, as Vince Vaughn said in Dodgeball. So True. Obviously, was- it's about the money. I've been listening to, or I've been following this guy who, you know, it's like trading, investing stuff, but he he's like on a daily basis talking about like, you don't need to be going into the market gambling. Like if you're gambling, you're eventually going to lose money, right? Like that's just the nature of it. And so like, why would you gamble with a lot of money? Like, and then he went on and he's like, if you're looking to gamble, think about it this way, like. Rich people gamble for fun. Poor people gamble to make ends meet. And like, it, you need to ask yourself, what's the question? And then you need to realize, do you want to be somebody that's rich and get to that point where you can gamble for fun? Or do you want to just always be a poor person the rest of your life? Mm. And I was like, hmm. You're like, poor take any trades. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I think you, I've kind of, you know, as, you, as you've been recommending getting into this or you'll talk, it's, there's a lot of similarities in betting. Like a bet I took yesterday was only because I found a place that was giving two or a point and a half more than most of the sports books. So I was like, well, I'm going to take that bet. Like you're going to have an edge because you have an extra point. If, if, if everybody in Vegas, if all the odds makers are saying it's seven point game, but I got this guy over here giving me eight and a half, I'm going to take the eight and a half. Because now if, if it's a seven, if it, the team wins by a touchdown, I win my bet, right? As opposed to if I take it at seven, a touchdown is a push. You don't, you don't win. Like it's, it's just, you don't, you don't lose your money, but you don't win the bet either. Like it hits right on. So like, there's a lot of that finding, trying to find that like edge. Where can you, you know, where do you think there's an advantage in the, in what they're giving you and what you're betting? And so it'd be nice if we lived in a state that allowed sports gambling and then you could start leveraging different books. Like, you know, maybe one place has it at, a certain one and another one and you can bet in between and win at both right like it, it, there's a lot the ones that do it professionally they definitely aren't gamblers dude they definitely spend a lot of time trying to make well you make, make they live off of it there's a lot of guys that i follow on twitter and different things Substack that you know they do it for a living so but I, obviously i but don't do know. they I, do they though bro because like think about it you don't know the truth bro whenever somebody's like oh look at all this money i make like that's the thing i hate about social media you can never (laughs) really know if somebody's actually doing it or if they're going for social clout and leveraging that to make their living well i will say these guys and most of the most of like the guys that do bet for a living they'll, they'll they'll post their their bets they're they're like hey i'm taking this for this many units a unit's the measure of like what they bet for like one unit is whatever like i need to see your fucking tax return at the end of the year to know (laughs) yeah well i mean they they'll put it out like hey this is my official play like Mm. here's my official play and then you know uh, again at the end who is it philip tetlock who who discovered that at the best like forecasters and prognosticators they're basically a coin flip like it's basically 50 some 54 percent of the time an expert is accurate as opposed to somebody just picking randomly. So it's still just, a, it's a, it's a toss up. So the ones yeah, that are good at edge, thing, it is an edge, right? It's a small <laughs> edge. Um, but yeah, the, I think most of the, most of the good ones are about 63% winning. Uh, so like, yeah, that's 13% chance. Like they're improving on. So, I mean, if they lay down 
a hundred thousand or a thousand dollars on like a hundred bets. So it went sixty three. I guess they made out what's that thirteen hundred bucks technically. So I mean, but that you gotta be laying a lot of bets, dude. So maybe it would yeah. be easier just to be in finance and doing the stock market, maybe. Probably. What do you what have you been up to? Just just working, man. Um just working trying to read more books trying to i was thinking about like going to like volunteer and teach like some computer literacy classes at the library like, shit like that. no 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 i mean back then that was for money now it's just like, oh. to the, like you're, you're philanthropic i'm just gonna give back yeah give back to the commodity you're philandering or what is charlie saying that one uh, you're a full-on rapist <laughs> yeah. you know children and, and disabled two kids and you know the elderly <laughs> nice nice well well that's well, good. maybe i won't do it maybe i won't do it maybe it's just me thinking that you know it's just my ego like i'm you just, just like feel, yeah fluffing my ego exactly. there. you, know? <laughs> you want to feel better than somebody else it's like look at these poor saps i'm gonna help I mean, them make me feel better <laughs> i mean sure how about you just trying to be better than your former self is that is that a bad thing I mean that, that that's the goal with all this is to like get out and you know interact with people and maybe you know push myself out of the comfort zone. Bro, how about you just go to some conventions of certain things that you like? How about that? I mean, I I, I get to meet new people. I could do that, but everybody at those conventions yeah. are just trying. They're on like the grind for making right. this their lifestyle and how they make their money a lot of the times, and that's also fucking annoying, okay. dude. Well, you don't have to follow that. You can just just. You, you see them like every other week or every week or whichever one you want to do. You maybe, know? yeah. It could be whatever it could be. Yeah. Know, literally I mean, anything. I guess maybe I shouldn't dismiss it without trying it. That's that that's something that I feel like I have a problem with that I should work with. You know, my initial impression of it and then dismissing it. And then maybe maybe I do like it and I just never tried it. So maybe I should try it. And Yeah. And the worst could happen. You don't never see them again. Yeah. The so. worst that happens, you're just like, this person's a piece of shit. I'm done. Right. You're like, I'll always give you the benefit of the doubt, but whenever you erase all doubt, well, I'm not giving you the benefit. All all is nothingness, bro. That's just, that's, that's what you just got to remember. You operate from there, then it's fine. It's all nothingness. Bro, what are you depressed after watching these movies? Like, <laughs> who isn't? Yeah, dude. I mean, uh, obviously I'd seen one of them. Um, the Antichrist was, I hadn't seen that one before. So, which mm. I think. That was before Melancholia, right? Yeah, so they're part of the unofficially dubbed Depression Trilogy, Tril which is uh, mm -hmm. that, that is, Melancholia, that makes sense. and then Nymphomaniac, which we should that watch. two volumes, right? Feature. Yeah, we should watch it in another double feature at some point. You know, we're obviously in the halloween -y special. I guess what, this would be like dramatic art house horror? Is that is that kind of... Uh, I would think of it... I mean, I guess if you wanted to like label it in a horror sense yes but it for me it's more like uh existential horror or like okay. psychological horror where it's about you and like what really scares a person outside of like jump scares or like the, the unknown it's like what inside your head can you not deal with like think about uh in antichrist where she's having the anxiety attacks like for me whenever i had a lot of anxiety like that was fucking terrifying like it's just so i mean if i have 
any moments in my life that I look back on that are really scary. It's like the ones where your mind, you're not in control of it and it's affecting you physically and you feel like you're dying and you have this huge amount of dread. I think that's an interesting element that we could, that is being explored in these movies and that maybe we bring into Halloween, you know, like maybe you should be scared of what's going on inside your head. That's that's the biggest black pill right there. We got the the red blue pill of horror, then the, then the, the horror of of yourself. Exactly, the biggest black pill of all. When was the first time you saw these movies? Like how how long has it been since you experienced them? I saw Antichrist probably back in two thousand ten, maybe when around when it first came out, and then this is the first time I watched Melancholia. Oh really? Yeah, I've seen Nymphomaniac. But I'd never, I it started Melancholy a few times and never finished it. Okay. For some reason, I thought I had watched it with you and a few of our friends before when, when it first came out, but you might have, you probably were already living in, yeah. that came out, what, 2011? 20? Yeah. I mean, we, it, I think there's a similar movie that we watched together, uh, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, but I mean, mm-hmm. the vibe's totally different. Totally different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, a little bit more comedic as opposed to, um, depression basically yeah i mean i i read stuff like i just after i watched both movies i was like i had seen melancholia before but i was like dude antichrist just and sure enough because the one thing i thought about both movies was dude this and i've seen obviously nymphomaniac at least volume one i've seen it um i'm like dude this guy is definitely working through some shit in these two movies bro like he's and sure enough, I when I saw found an article about Antichrist, I don't know if it was Roger Ebert review or a Guardian article, but it was the the reporter was saying that they spoke to him and he was when he came up with the idea, he was like bedridden from depression. I was like, okay, that makes sense, dude, because these two movies clearly beautifully done. You know, there's obviously a lot of great shots and he he does interesting things, but yeah, dude, you can definitely you're like this is somebody that is struggling with existence in general right so um and still can make this beautiful you know art like i don't think it's for everybody because i mean even melancholia this time around i'm like good lord dude this movie's just fucking it felt so long because you feel it's a testament to the film i think it just the dread of it all the Mm -hmm. the long lingering doom bro i felt anxiety about (laughs) life after watching that movie yesterday like i was like i need to go like cleanse my palate with like pokemon or something i had that like you know that like kind of like sunday scaries but amplified to like the end of humanity it's like tomorrow's the last day like it's done we're all gone yeah i think the only thing that saved me from going down a like having that same feeling is like right before we walk right before josh and i watched it um i was reading i'm rereading the the book of the five rings it's a war like a, <laughs> it's, it's 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 about this like yeah this samurai who was like the renowned swordsman of of like the uh what would that be like this or the 17 early 17th century the Edo period i know that was like the most popular yeah uh, i don't know if that's the same one it's about that time, yeah. It's like so, yeah. He just he he like fought like in sixty battles of like you know challenging people and never lost and wrote oh, this book. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
so yeah, the first chapter is called the Book of Ground, and I had just read, and he was talking about the 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 way, the, the way which is the warrior's way, Benshido, I think is what it's called. Don't quote me, but anyways, he was just saying that the warrior needs to like the, you have to operate from a point of death, like that death isn't it's not an option of life and death because you already operate from a point of death, like that's how where you get your mastery and your strategy because everything as a warrior is death is the ultimate, like that's where you operate from. Like you're not going to be scared of it. You're not going to choose life over death because you operate from a point. So like just, and then I had just read recently, you know, the, the Buddhist, you know, operating, you know, like it's all nothingness, like to reach Nirvana, it's just to know that it's all of it. So like if I hadn't read that in the last couple of days, cause I think I mentioned on last week where I've been having these slight, not panic attacks, but, thinking about, oh, I'm not going to be here one day. So if I hadn't read that and then watched my life, yeah, I'd have been the same. I would have been like, I probably would have ordered a fucking bottle of tequila and got drunk last night. Cause I oh, was God. Like, but I was like, you know what? It's just, you know, yeah, death is when you can operate. I get, what is that? The Greeks, the, the Greeks that said the Stoics, like memento more. Mm-hmm. Like once you can operate from there, it does make it a little bit more easy. It's still not easy. I mean, it's not, it's not super easy, but it makes it easier because, yeah, life, being human is definitely scary, um, especially after watching these two movies. 100%. No, yeah, that's something I've had to come to terms with. You know, um, I've had moments where I've, you you guys know, I've had, like, a lot of anxiety, especially, um, like, I think it started when I was, like, 27, but I think I'm pretty well past that stage like obviously if there's something wrong i'll go to the doctor but like now whenever i have a really bad like (laughs) episode of something going on in my body i'll sit there and just like be like well if i'm gonna die i'm gonna die if not this will be gone tomorrow and i just kind of let it pass and just you know (laughs) think about if this is it i guess let's experience this one last time whatever this is (laughs) and just try and move through it and we got we got medicine for that. But <laughs> back then, the old back in the old days, man, people had to take that suffering raw, man. I know that's, what's that's why they died by the time they were thirty. Yeah, you know it's interesting because I was about to ask Josh like what he does, but Mister, he's saying there's medicine, but he he won't pay to go see a doctor because you know hell nah. So, hell nah. I mean, he's like my anxiety comes at in the middle of the night yeah. every almost every day if I'm not exhausted, and I'm like, oh god, why am I here? I'm gonna. I'm going to die like a little twinge in the leg. You're like, well, your leg is going to have to come off and you're going to slowly die of rot or some shit like that. You know, it's usually how it comes, comes to me with anxiety. Yeah. That's why I think working out for me, like whenever I had really bad anxiety and I started working out a lot is the best because like those moments right before bed, when you lay down and you can't turn off your brain and you're sitting there and you maybe like before I started meditating, like it's harder to like, be alone with your thoughts because the rest of your mind is already trained to like not being like focused and always bouncing around for thoughts. So like when you go to sleep at that point in your life, you fucking it's it, you, it, you go wherever, right? It's just wherever. And it's terrifying sometimes. But when I would work out, I'd be so tired that I just fucking fall asleep at night. And I wouldn't have those moments where it's like, what the fuck is that? You feel that? What is that? Are you okay? It's like, no, that's it. You're going to die. So I would recommend, you know, working out. So you're always tired at the end of the fucking day, like really tired. 
or being like, you know, 800 pounds and just being tired from the weight of yourself crushing yourself. <laughs> just gravity. Just is that a just shot at being me, your bro? Worst friend. I mean, no, yeah, you got a game like, uh, you know, what, 20 more pounds to be at 800? <laughs> kidding, kidding, bro. Damn. We gotta keep it light. We gotta keep it light. We gotta keep it too serious. Keep, yeah, you're a little too serious. Too serious. No, I will say though, when I, what's funny is I agree. Like most of the time, I agree with like being like working out. Like I do. I feel like I fall asleep. But if it's not from working out, like if I'm just super tired for whatever reason, that's when I get that anxiety. Like Josh was talking about going to sleep because like. I'll feel like something's wrong with me while I'm laying down because I just I'm so tired, but my mind is still like very active, and I'm like, bro, there's something wrong. Like I think I'm about to have a heart attack because like my body's trying to doze off, but my mind is still too active. So then in that little like limbo state of where you're about to just fall into sleep, my mind makes it it, it makes me think that I'm about to die because I'm just losing consciousness too fast, and I'll like freak out and jump up, and I'm like, oh god. Am I checking my heart rate? I'm like, I'm getting the little fucking blood oxygen meter on my finger. Like, am I dying? And I'm like, it's just because I'm super, I have to like calm myself down, do some breathing technique and just be like, you're just going to sleep, bro. That's it. You just, just close your eyes, you'll wake up and I'll pass out. But yeah, dude, it'll, if it's not from me being tired from being active and working out, or I'm just really just tired from life. Like, it will freak me out every time because I just feel like I'm about to like have a heart attack. And I'm like, Am I going to be able to scream before I pass out to let Josh know? Or is he even going to hear me? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just going to die here asleep on the bed. So, Hey, man. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, that's the, the gamble we take every time we go to sleep. Like, true, that we just don't true. wake up. And if you, if people really thought about it more, there'd be a lot more people that would be like Kirsten Dunst. And you know, people would just be so depressed. Then again, people probably wouldn't be sleeping either. There'd be a lot of insomnia, which I think that's what melancholia is is like isn't that like one of the side effects is like insomnia you don't eat yeah uh, so but uh josh these were your first time watching both these movies right you hadn't seen either one no nah, yeah i never seen any of them before it was funny when we started watching the melancholy he goes and then before the the title scene uh, the title screenshot like he goes it says it shows melancholy lars von trier and he goes I was about to say this feels like a Lars just from watching Antichrist already he he already had picked up. He was like, This feels like a Lars von Trier movie. I was gonna ask, like, what order did y'all watch it in? Yeah, we we but, watched yeah. Antichrist first. And it wasn't even because it came out first, it was the shorter movie. Mm-hmm. So we watched that like on a Friday or Thursday night and then uh, last yesterday afternoon we watched uh Melancholy once Josh got home from work. So what order did you watch it in? I watched uh Melancholia first because Zayn wanted to watch that one with me, and we'd seen Antichrist before together, so I just watched it upstairs. So, Antichrist, you know, it's um, it's an interesting movie. It's about a crazy woman who is being taken care of by her therapist husband, and we don't ever hear their names, right? No, I, I realize that they were, their names are he and she. Like, that's what they're credited as. Mm-hmm. So that was, I, I was like, yeah. And when I read that, I saw that in IMDb, I go, oh, yeah, they never fucking said their name ever. And you don't even fucking notice the whole damn time. Like, that's no, not at all. <laughs> or it's hard to notice. But yeah, no. It's, and really, it's I think a, there's only two people get 
two people get credited, like at the end, as far as like acting cats, just those two. There, I mean, there was some extras in the funeral procession, but that was yeah. it, right? It's just them the whole. Rest well, and of the people. kid Nick, right? Oh yeah, the kid. I don't know why I didn't I didn't see that guy's name, but. <clears throat> but uh, what are y'all's thoughts? Like, um, I have I have some thoughts. It's a very disturbing fucking movie. Once you get to right. the fucking last chapter, um. And there are some disturbing parts before, but what did y'all think, Josh? You 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 think these are very fucked up movies, from what you said um, earlier? Yeah, I forgot. I felt like I could follow a little bit more of Melancholia more, but Antichrist was a little bit more. Um, at least I know, I feel like I missed a lot more. I at some points I was falling asleep, like when when they were starting to go to uh, Eden. And when she started running away, it was around there is where I started dozing off. So I'm not sure if I missed anything in particular. Um, the mo- <sighs> Obviously, both these movies are very layered in how they uh, uh, put a lot of their themes in these movies with a lot so much stuff. Um, I don't know, man. I, I movies very, very. Um, very fucked up and depressing obviously mm-hmm. i don't know i i think i would need more insight from y'all because so i'm not too sure about that movie in particular in my opinion well let me just ask one question as far as from that movie like what for you would be like the what was the most terrifying or scary or that anxiety filled like moment from that movie for you the most scary part, I don't or not know. like just any like ang- anxious or or terrifying. Made you feel ill, eerie. maybe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, whenever they fucking he got hit in the dick and then got a hole drilled in his leg with a grinder, he busted the blood. And then he ran dude. away. The blood nut, bro. The, the, that was that made me wince when she fingered his leg. I was like, I. Oh yeah. I let out a cry out loud. I just did not like this. That's where things really got like hard to watch for me in the movie. Like it just everything. Yeah. I, you know, that scene that you talking about, I think, like you said, there's a lot of layered themes, obviously. Um, the Lars von Trier working through a lot of just, you know, whatever he, maybe he's working through what makes him feel depressed. You know, I can't speak to exactly, but like, you, you, there's a lot of that theme, but I think that scene where she, like, that's one of the themes, the, 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 what's the word? The, the, the natural versus the un versus man, nature versus man was like one of the subtexts I feel like, and that it got exemplified in that scene where she took a stump of natural wood and smashed man's wood. And then <laughs> jerked him off and bled. And when she jerked him off and the blood shot out, it made me think of Zardos. Like the penis is evil, right? Like, so that's, and it kind of falls in with the context of how the movie opens. They're, they're having sex and their son falls out a window because they're not paying attention, which plot twist. Oh, she, she saw actually, it. <laughs> she saw it. And I almost felt like that at the beginning. Cause it just felt, I, I'd seen large Von Trier before. So I know that, there's a lot of things going on in what he's presenting, right? There's a lot of, it's artistic, and but there's there's some kind of meaning, subtext, themes, motifs, whatever, right? And he's an art house kind of guy, 
but uh, with a very shocking way of doing it sometimes. But like, yeah, I was like, kind of felt like that was <clears throat> there was that that there there was that aspect of the child, and that's why she used probably did that to his dick. It's like the whole theme of Eden being cursed for telling Adam to eat the apple, right? That her curse was that she would through sweat and tears she would birth children right like so like that aspect of like being cursed with this thing that's supposed to be a joy but you know postpartum stuff like that like there's just a lot that i felt like that was going to, to josh's point a lot going on that it's a lot to unpack but like on the surface i saw man versus nature um and that scene definitely amplified it for sure like i and did also I, the nature of man right that, yes. that was another thing going on which was really interesting um, and if and correct me if I'm wrong, both of you, but like, was it she was saying that the nature of man that wants to destroy, especially women, because she was writing that book about femicide, basically, was that men realize the evil that's inherent in women? Is that like what she had come to the conclusion? Because that's what all she I, was saying. Right. OK, that's what I thought. Um, but that's that's weird. And like, what is it about women that? is evil is it that women give birth to man and man yeah. is evil so <laughs> that's kind of that, how i took it it's fucking crazy man like i don't know or just women are just that evil man and that i don't know man i saw is, that is that this... we put so much societal stuff onto them and it's like it suppresses their evil nature to some degree i mean or, or, or i'm just making that shit i mean up. maybe no. i mean <laughs> I saw something about when he first started writing this, the executive producer like released what the movie, the the plot twist at the end of the movie was. And Lars von Trier was so fucking mad that he went back and had to rewrite the entire movie. Like originally it was supposed to be that God didn't create the earth. Satan did. Mm. And so I was like, I wonder what it, where he had to change it. Or how much he had to change from what he's got in order for that to have been different. Because there's a lot of like nature and obviously I think there's like it's a interesting allegory for the first man in the Garden of Eden. And, you know, they're pretty explicit with the place being called Eden, right? Right. Women's folly. The tree that 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 tree stump is so fucking weird. It's kinda like the I don't know. Um the forbidden tree of oh, good... there you go yeah um so i don't know it's a fucking weird movie man and shockingly so like she there's the part where she cuts off her fucking clit mm. i didn't get that like what was the purpose of that well, well i think it goes back to the fact like what i was saying about childbirthing being a curse to women per mm-hmm. god because of you know exactly. so she's like mutilating that because it's it's a curse upon and also her discovery that women are actually more evil than men, but it could be to like how Zach said it. That's how I interpret it because women give birth to men and their destructive nature. Um, so, and you also saw that between the two of them, right? Like here's this woman who's going through something. Then you have the controlling rational man, husband trying to mansplain everything to her and not really kind of concerned about her. She even says it in the land bed, like, you're only paying this kind of attention to me because I'm your, you're my therapist now. Like, so, you know, just a lot of, and a lot of that's just being in a relationship and, and, you know, that those, those fears of like, you don't pay attention to me. It's only because you're trying to 
fix me and you don't try to fix me and i mean which was just yeah that is a little bizarre because didn't he like actually say to her it's like the reason why i was distant is to give you some space for all the stuff and he even clearly explains like because i'm a therapist i did this because of this you know right i feel like that moment whenever she was like you weren't ever close to either of us right she, she was just being a dick she was being offhanded and cavalier with her emotions and trying to put it all on him and the way he reacted he almost looked like he was mad in the moment and then he thought about it and he finally was like you told me you wanted space to go to eden to work on your book like which it's just both of them being dickish in that moment right they're just mm -hmm. both being dickish by trying to place their grief and their pain on the other person as opposed to processing themselves and like to me i felt like he just wasn't processing his pain either because he was too busy trying to help her process hers and manage hers that's probably how he was coping with it you know right. taking the focus away from how he feels and focusing on work essentially yeah because i have to what? i have to put on my therapist cap and not my husband and also a father who just lost his son cap like you know what i mean so yeah so because she was like having she would Clearly she, let's see, how do I say this? Would you say she was consistently having sex with her husband so she could hide something? Because clearly she did it once already to hide the fact that her kid was going to fucking fall off the window and did nothing about it. So do you think there was like other instances when she was doing this that she was also trying to hide something uh to not show Willem Dafoe, you know? I think maybe she was like trying that. to hide something from herself in those moments mm. like it especially whenever she was having like those anxiety attacks or like the fear in the cabin she wanted to have the sex it's like maybe she is having the realization of what was going on at eden what she had last did and she was trying to mask it out because it was like she was two different people especially whenever she did the fucking oh, yeah. drill into his leg and then she went back and she's like i'm sorry i'm sorry so maybe it's like she has some type of on top of the massive depression like maybe personality disorder like if we were talking about this in the sense that there is no magic going on here there's no three fucking beggars that summon a bunch of women to walk by willem dafoe at the end and you know the bird doesn't actually like all kinds of shit that isn't based in reality if we were trying to base this in reality maybe she had some other type of mental right. problems that she was masking through sex so what was the three beggars because clearly we saw all the representations of the other things like the wolf the doe and uh i forgot what the other the thing crow. was uh the bird the crow yeah so what was who were the three beggars then or what was the represent what was representing the three beggars in this movie i mean that's interesting right i i i, I don't know like i mean the Especially the way they represented them when they first introduced him, he he like bashed the crow and it was living in a fox the fox's hole. And then the fox, when it was first introduced before it said chaos reigns, it's eating its own fucking stomach. Mm -hmm. And then the doe has a fucking dead stillborn deer coming out of it. So I don't know, maybe it's about like the unnatural aspects of the natural world and there's something weird going on with, or not weird, but he really likes stars because he focuses on a constellation mm -hmm. in this one, which isn't a real constellation. 
and Willem Dafoe's character even calls that out. And then even in Melancholia, he focuses on the stars. So I don't know what that's about. I, mean, I guess if I were to guess, you know, the stars, when you look up there, and I, I fail to look up every once in a while, I do. And I remember that there's the rest of the universe out there. And that can instill like a fucking depressive dread. It's big, vast blackness. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know. I feel the opposite when I look into the stars because it's like, wow, none of this really matters. It's like bills don't matter. A lot of things don't matter. But that could All be depressing for somebody things. to think about it that way. None of this matters. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I, I think I have said that numerous times in reference to, you know, us. One of my favorite Bible characters that I feel like, not that I relate to, but I just, I can understand. It's like, is Solomon, right? He was gifted the wisdom of gods and eventually he wrote a book that just said vanity vanity it's all vanity it's just it's nothing like here's a guy that knows every answer allegedly right and he basically is like dude it's all just fucking pointless <laughs> so but i think that's why I, I am attracted to like the the tenets of buddhism or like that part where the, like the stoic moment memento Meltmori or this book of the five rings it's yeah dude like it is all nothing and that's fine because that's literally i mean once you're gone you're gone in the history of the universe and even humankind the small 75 years that i'm granted here it's a small speck of, of sand right like so like once you real like it helps me to be a little bit more centered for the most part right knowing that we are just basically we're literally in outer space as we're having this conversation, right? Like there is no crust that you go through to come into the earth. It's, it's all atmosphere, right? So it's like, we're literally on a space rock and I'm in outer space right now. And I have the false sense of security by having, you know, walls around me. I live in a city that's walled in a state that's walled in a country. You know what I mean? Like it's these perceptions of reality that aren't actually real. Right. So, but anyways, sidetrack it just, I, I, I feel both of y'all, right. I, I can understand both of you, but a lot of times I just center myself by saying, I don't worry about when I didn't exist before. No one ever has like frets and has anxiety of the fact that, Oh shit, I wasn't here in the seventies, sixties. Right. Well, I like to think about that in the way I think about it. It's like, I did exist just not in my current state. Like okay. the state that's able to process states, you know, like I've always been and I'll always be, but I won't always be Zach. When you were in your vapors, what is it? Vapor? What is it? What is it? Gases, solids. What are the, remember the different states of fucking science? What is it? Fumes? No, not fumes. It's gases, right? Gas, gas, solids, solids and liquids. 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 There you go. When, when I was you ethereal. Were in Yes. A gas. You're a gas, a gas floating the universe, dude. Fucking now, that would be interesting. Like, what if that was existence? You were a gas, you know, like a helium, whatever, traversing universe, and you just happened to pass by Earth when you know it was time to conceive, you know, a nut into it into a seed, and like suck sucked you in. Here you go, Zach. Come here. You're coming to Earth, sucker. <laughs> you're like. This is non-consensual, you fuck. I don't want to be. What if, what if, okay, so what if aliens aren't non-human? What if they're humans who died who are trying to come back? 
Mm. I like that. Trying to come back. Right. They're trying to come back and, you know, world powers are like, no, they can't know that there's a way back after death. <laughs> exactly, dude. Because then you would have people doing all kinds of crazy shit, dude. Exactly. Yeah, that is interesting. That would be crazy, right? Fuck. But unfortunately, we won't know until we become whatever the next state is, whether it's just energy for some other animal or if we actually reincarnate. I saw something. There's this story. of It's not a story, actually. But it was an actual woman in India or Pakistan that when she was a child, she was like, you know, when she, she was able to talk, she continued to say that she was actually this woman and she had a husband and he lived in this other like province of the area and she went on and she's like maybe five or six and she explained like what he does for a living how many kids they had she even spoke the language they spoke in that area and she had no like interaction with it and everybody thought she was crazy until one day she just like instead of going to school got on the bus went to go see her fucking husband and he's still there like his wife had died 10 years before around the time she was born Hmm. and then like insane yeah so i mean maybe reincarnation is an actual thing maybe our souls are just being recycled and we forget we forget everything about our previous lives whether it's you know previous life was a cat or a maggot that crawled through shit, human shit. Like mm. maybe there's maybe there's like a, a a code to reincarnation. Like whatever you're doing last, and how you were doing it, and it helps you do like say you ate a cow, you ate like raw steak. Like the rawer the steak was, the more likely that you're gonna be reincarnated as a cow in your next life if you die choking on the steak. You know, like, what if there's all these, like, variables that contribute to reincarnation? Like, if you're a maggot crawling through human shit and you get stepped on by a horse, then the chances of being reincarnated as a horse or a human are 50-50 because you were killed by a horse, but you were also eating human shit. Mm. Like, I mean, we have no idea. We have no idea. Like, we we don't know what life and death is or if reincarnation is real or the laws of the universe. We're still trying to figure them out. So maybe, maybe. Yeah. And then that would play into like one of the funny things I thought at the end of antichrist, after it all transpires and it, it goes into the epilogue and it's black and white again. And William, William Defoe's character just had a fucking grinder attached to his leg. And I go, I, I was thinking, I had said earlier in the movie to Josh, but I was like, is this, then he walks in, to, like a porter opens and he goes to the lighthouse and this is how he got the club foot in that movie? Like, you didn't mean Right. <laughs> I was going to say, this is the, earlier, this is the second movie we've seen this month where Willem Dafoe's getting buried under dirt. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, yeah. <laughs> it's William Dafoe month here at the Halloween, uh, Manfall Halloween special. Um, but no, yeah, it is very interesting to think when you when it doesn't stricken you with anxiety and fear like that the greatest journey is still the one we haven't taken like we just you know we don't know exactly um all we know is like you said you're you're no longer in a conscious state or at least a conscious state with a physical body all humanity is is the universe trying to understand itself 
Mm. It's the universe has built up these laws that allowed life to grow. And then in those same laws that allowed life to grow and evolve, it evolved to a state that could think and actually try and understand itself. Like if anything, being part of this universe is actually life, whether you're dead or a piece of a planet or a speck of stardust or whatever the fuck you are, or thinking human for 75 years, we're all part of this one mechanic or -hmm. this one thing. And you know, all it is, is it's trying to live. We're a part of that. We're, we're a part of a cosmic being, bro. We are the cosmic being. You look on. Yeah. Like look at a, what do you call it? A, a cell and then there's tiny things in that cell and then they go any further and it's just like all these moving little objects within it and then at this point you start looking at it you're like this is essentially a fucking galaxy mm-hmm. and then you observe what we ha- what we have observed in space and it's like wow we're just <laughs> it's like what is this entity that we're all part of you know what i mean i feel like we're I, you know what i mean it's just like an a, infinite like a, math equation it's a fractal yeah. Well, yeah, and I, I was about to say that interesting that you said a math equation because I'm like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense mathematically that we're just in the system of the universe. It's this, the universe is once, uh, is a set and we're a subset in that set and like how Josh said, and then we're made up of subsets. So like, it, it doesn't matter what subset you look at, it's still part of the set of the universe. Like that's the the overall system of the universe. We're just part of that system, regardless of what, you know, whatever aspect it is from a quantum level to, uh, you know, uh, a mass physics level, like it's all part of the same universe. What Man. would, what's really interesting is what is there besides the universe? Like it, based on how we understand the universe in our world, there are other people, there are other animals there are other things they are different than us. So you could then think, well, if that's an aspect of reality, Maybe that can be expanded, right, to a larger scale. And there's instead of, you know, maybe there's multiple universes, right, interwoven. Instead of that, there's another type of reality that's not like a universe, but there's something else out there that's different, but similar, right? Like, what could be, I mean, I I couldn't even fathom, but like, why would all life just be contained or all of existence or the possibilities of existence or whatever non-existence or sub-existence or sideways existences be just inside the universe. There has to be more than the universe because why would the universe, you know, like what else is there? It's just crazy to think about. And that's probably where not, not entirely, but I don't doubt that's what probably has someone like Lars von Trier make movies like this. Right. This what gets people in depressive states, right? And and then he he works his way out of it by creating this you know this work of art, which which you'll I see it more not that I see it, but kind of how Josh said there's like and you mentioned the stars. Also, remember when the husband's trying to identify what her top of the pyramid fear is, and he and he writes the forest or trees. I mean, in melancholy, he makes the forest very the trees in that area very. You know, the horse doesn't want to cross the bridge. So I think for Lars von Trier's stars and the forest, there are obviously some significant meaning for him in his life um, in regards to that. But what I was going to say was, you know, when she in Melancholy kind of jumping forward a little bit, just to make the point about like this movie and, and it is more, you see it more in, in Antichrist, but 
you know, she's opening all those books and it has all those different art, like pictures and different things. And like his shots of his movies remind me of like, you're looking at a, a live painting, right? When it slows down, like when William Defoe's walking away from Eden and all of a sudden you see all the bodies and that shot of the landscape, mm-hmm. or like you said, with the trees and the hands and everyone, like a, a lot of his shots are very, they look like a living painting and like and it's just and i wonder if that comes from like because like i said you see kirsten's stunts and melancholy she's putting up all these books with these paintings and they look like you can almost feel like their juxtaposition of like how he shoots some of the shots so like obviously painting and those like probably medieval medieval paintings and things of that nature must have had some kind of effect on too because you see it a lot in antichrist like this the shots that he makes um which are very interesting, especially the really slow ones. And you're like, wait, is that, is that, is that, are they moving or is this just a steel shot? Like you just don't know sometimes. So, which makes it very art house. Yeah. And and there's like aspects of like the greenery or the, the nature that's like moving. And you don't know if that's like the actual wind moving in it, or if they went in and did like computer animation on that part, but also like in addition to that part being fake, maybe the people moving slowly, it's like slowed down really far. That's the one thing that I was curious about because some of the nature just looked like it was moving in a weird way, but I, I couldn't tell if it was they changed that or if it was just so slow it seemed weird. Yeah, I really like I know exactly what you're talking about, and you really see it in the opening of Melancholia when yeah. um the the mom's carrying the sons across the nineteenth hole, and you're like, like are, the, are they moving? Is that flag moving? Like, what is going on here? Like, did they do that through? reducing the frame rate or whatever or you know like you said do they do it i just don't feel like Lars van triers would do like cgi right like it just doesn't feel like but who knows maybe he does and he just knows how to do it very realistically and beautifully who knows uh, or animation like you said putting those in the painting it on the film or whatever but uh, again I, I do like his like if there's a rawness to the way he shoots his movies because you know it looks like he does a lot of handheld sometimes and it's shaky, and that just amplifies whatever he's doing. But then you have those shots like that where it just looks like a piece of art. And you're like, oh okay, yeah. I can do you ever that. look into like what he's done in the past? Like he came up with the Dogma ninety five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew and he that, was part of that school. That part of that is like all shooting has to be handheld. Like you can't shoot without like one of the the tenets of it was that so it probably carries over from that I think that yeah. you mentioned the handheld stuff, and the other tenet in that one is like you all your props can only be what's available and mm-hmm. wherever you're shooting, um, it's and very, like music can't be brought his, in outside what of purpose? what's that? Mm-hmm. Like what do you think the purpose of his his I call them awkward cuts, but. What do you think he's purpose of doing that? It was like in both these movies, they had weird cuts. They would just cut up. I wouldn't say abruptly, but like in the middle of something. And then they would continue on. Okay. Say they're saying something and then they would cut and it would just be a little bit further into the scene, but just more advanced. I guess this is the best way I would describe it. Um, Yeah. Like it's in the same scene. It's not cutting from a different angle. It's just like they moved on to the next, uh, part of a i don't know i don't know how to describe it it's, yeah it's, I, I know it's more advancing of the scene right yeah. it, it like you saw it a lot in antichrist when they were like in the bed talking to each other when she was saying like you're just in all of that it was like the cut where like it would show like 
it was still the same conversation, but a different position. Like it, like it was like a different take in the way he cut it. He, he just kind of cut it in there. And I th- honestly, I, the more I thought about that question, because you asked, I remember you asked me that, Josh. I think it's just to show the passage of time. Like this is a conversation that's happened multiple times in many different forms. Like that's the only thing I can think of, at least for that scene. Um, but ultimately what Zach just said about like the school that he came from, the Dogma 95, m- maybe because he came from that school where it's like, you can only use a handheld. You, you ha- it's got to be natural. You can't, you can't bring anything outside of the room that you're shooting to, to dress it or to, you know, to, to affect the mise-en-scene. It has to be what it is. And so maybe the way he shoots, there's, there's not a lot of, con- like, you know what I mean? He's not doing it the same way. He's not saying, hey, the last take you were just sitting like this way. He's just like, shoot, let's go. Here's the scene. Let's run it again. And then so that way, he maybe there's just no continuity in those scenes. And he's just using the different ones. But I'm sure it's purposely. That's actually exactly what it is, Junior. Like, okay. he doesn't do any type of rehearsals before shooting. So, like, he also relies heavily on letting the actors do Im- improv in between takes. So, like, it's most likely exactly what you said where he'll shoot a scene they'll keep parts of it and then to continue or like they cut and continue that's how he has to splice it together with this little awkward jump together where it's close and it's but it's not exactly it i mean those are always fun projects we did stuff somewhat similar to that but not exactly we obviously had our own like it's like okay check out the equipment but then of course it's just like you would have to get your own location you would need to get your own, uh, make your own theme. You had to make do with what you had right then and there. Obviously, we had a tripod, but just having a challenge like that is always so fun to do. But kind of, I kind of want to do something like that just just to do the challenge. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a nuzlocke for making <laughs> movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What is that? It's a Pokemon thing where if you. How do it you, essentially if, makes the game more difficult, harder. but yeah. because the game doesn't have any type of difficulty settings, it's a set of rules you apply to make the game difficult on yourself. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. No, and it's interesting, like, when Josh, you were saying you wouldn't mind doing a product, because I was about to say, that has to be very, not challenging, like, a, a good challenge. It, it would be a good challenge for an editor to find the essence of these different types of scenes, even though it's all the same script, it's like, but you just basically, there's no continuity of shot. So like to find the essence to carry through that edit would be very interesting, wouldn't it? Like, cause I know you've talked I mean, about that. Like when you're doing an edit, it's like, you know, there's a, there's a, there's like a part of its emotion and it's, you know, there's a lot of these different things that goes into editing and finding that stream of, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. I'm not sure what you're saying. Uh, Remember like, like for him, cause, cause like you just said, how the different cuts, like, so as an editor, you have to present because you don't have any continuity of the scene. Uh-huh. You still got to provide the essence of what you want to convey through different shots. How do you put that together where it's not as disorienting, unless that's the effect you're going for. But like, the essence between each one of those cuts, if it's all different, like to, to put it together, to convey mm-hmm. the feeling, the visual effect, 
the emotional I effect. I guess that's yeah, that's more story. I guess that's a little bit of storyboarding, right? But I don't think he you're allowed to do or, or yeah. did did he do storyboarding on I, the no. what is it? No, no. no. Yeah, like Zach said, it's just so basically no rehearsals. Here's the script, and let's go for it. Shoot. Well, I guess you just have to have prior knowledge of you just knowing like specific angles and what they invoke, as well as lighting technique. But of course, there's no you can't manipulate the lighting to some degree if you're outside, maybe inside you might be able to, um, to a degree, uh, if you really want to try and do some lighting things with what you have. That was another part of dogma 95. Like he does, he doesn't do dogma 95 anymore, but he, uh, part of it was like, you can't bring any lights. Mm -hmm. You have to use whatever lights available. We should we watch? Isn't there a movie called Dogma ninety five? Like the actual like that they released with that whole. I, I'm pretty sure. Maybe was it like a documentary about what they did? I think so because I thought I see Criterion um, collection. Are you thinking about them? the I movie thought... Dogma with uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe we do the double feature of Dogma ninety five and Dogma. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but no, yeah. So I was gonna ask like. Do you know Zach? Does he do his own editing too on his movies? Uh, I don't actually know. I'm gonna look who did the editing on that uh, on that Antichrist and the talks amongst yourself. If Zach, if you were to do a project like similar to that, how they have the those set of rules, uh, the Dogma ninety five rules, well, what would your project be, or what, or would you just have like a fishbowl of just like, oh, here's a subject here's the the what you call it and here's the uh the the location or some shit would you do it that way or would you just have something in mind oh that's difficult because the dogma 95 came up with a lot of great ideas you would have to really sit and think about what are some tropes that have been used too much that aren't covered by you know the dogma 95 and would be interesting to take away like maybe I mean, that's hard to think about. You know, I feel like this is like when we talked about everything, everywhere, all at once, and like the ingenuity they used during the pandemic. And then even when y'all just talked about the Pokemon game, like that's all it really is, right? You're just making it more difficult, like creating some kind of thing to make it more difficult to shoot the film. Yeah. That way you try to find ingenuity and, you know, oh, I can't, we can't do this because we say we don't want to do this because we've seen this in other movies. But how do we still, get the shot or do it without doing any of that. So would there be any also post-production like limitations as well? Like say we need ambient sounds. Do we, can we do ADRs? Because like there's well, clearly going to be some rough things. In Dogma just... 95, you couldn't bring in any music that wasn't already happening in where you were at. So like, for instance, if you wanted music in the scene, you'd have to play a record in the okay. setting. Or, you know, turn on the radio. Right. Or music. There's like a band playing outside. But it had that to be, be already really there. really hard to do. Yeah, so that so you couldn't do even do that in post-production. Okay. Um, Interesting. Josh is a post kind of guy. That'd be... So, I mean, the easy... Okay, so that my only issue would just be the ambient sounds because you can, you can cheat some things because if you have too... Two different sound for trust me. I, I uh, if you don't have any like 
one minute of like outside sound or inside sound of a location, like you're going to have a little bit of a, of a trouble with cutting. Cause there's going to be different, what do you call it? Air. You say you recorded a certain angle in one room and the, the air conditioning is blowing on one side and it's making a certain noise. And then when you cut to a different angle in the same room and it's not blowing on that side, it's going to, you, you can clearly hear a sound difference. Yeah. With something yeah, like that, you would have to be like really conscious of like, okay, no, no AC in this fucking room. <laughs> right. Like, Turn off the fan. To, like, work. Like, well, there's also that, but like based on the room, there's going to be certain echoing points in that room as well. True. So there, that's that's always such a fucking hassle. So it's probably better to even fucking do it outside, if anything. Yeah. Did you find out who the the editor was? Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was two. There was two editors: uh, an Asa Mossberg and an Anders Riffin. Riffin. I mean, I probably hacking their names up. I, I just recently watched something on a. I watched this old, you know, you know me and my black and whites, but. I watched a movie called The Devil and Dan- versus Daniel we- or The Devil and Daniel Webster, and it's kind of just a retelling of the Faustian tale. But uh, there was like an extra on it on the Criterion Collection channel that I pay for and I watch. And there were there was a guy talking about the edits in it, and I was like, oh shit! Like I like some of the stuff that they were talking about in that. I was like, damn, bro! I never even realized. Like I realized when you like because I know when Josh points out cuts, like I, I do notice editing. But I just never realized, like, I just, you just know, you just see it and you're just like, okay, like, you don't think about it too much. But watching the extra they had on there really made me realize, oh, shit, there's such a part of the cinematic experience to how they conveyed the passage of time or the the moving into action. Like, they're you know, they're walking towards something and then the next cut is like they're where they're at and they're talking to everybody. Like, those little things you just don't really think about. I hadn't really thought about until, like, Josh says something or... I see something that I hadn't seen before, so I'll rewind it. But like now, especially after watching that movie, I've really been like, it's only been a few days, but like the, everything else that I've been watching since then, I'm like looking for the different editing cuts. Like, oh shit, like, okay, that was interesting. Or like, why the fuck did they do that? Like, and then I think about that fucking movie. What was it with Mickey Rourke and Megan Fox? Um, oh, fuck. What is that movie called? Shit, what was that movie called? Angels and Angel Airwaves. Movie. <laughs> oh, no, oh. passion play there we go passion play passion there you go play. there was a weird time and that was because he was already dead like you, that's why it was well weird. now yeah now we know right but you weren't picking that up during the, the show dude like you're just like wait wasn't that guy just standing on the right of him and now it was he's... an artistic choice bro it's like reading a book and you don't really it's like reading the sound of the fury and oh, at the one. end, you have the whole picture. Like you gotta wait till the end, bro. True, true. So maybe that's once I at Passion I Play to- was a fucking beautiful movie, dude. Ten out of ten. <laughs> ten out of ten. <laughs> bro, you're gonna make me be motivated to write an actual book finally. Like and I'll about Passion Play, bro. Well, about like Passion Play, the, the happening. happening. Yep. And I'm just gonna, cre- and then I'm gonna create like a, a fictional biography of your life with it. Like it'll be like intersected with it. Like <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> and then at the end, it'll all make sense. And then it'd be like the whole time it was me on the journey. And I'm you're like, like oh. and now I understand it wasn't actually that bad. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Good time. So that means at the end of my life, it'll all like all the artistic choices that I made. Will make sense. You got exactly. Your paint. Your your life is a canvas, dude. 
Mm. Paint with intention, dude. Mine's a really big canvas. Dude, is that a fat joke? Mm, you know, that's right. I'm fat. I'm allowed to do it. Portly. Portly. Any final thoughts on Antichrist? Uh, don't stick your dick in crazy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that is Look, a man, I... tried and true rule. Like that consistently mm-hmm. applies to life. That is dogma 95. That's the doctrine in there. Um, no, I would just say, look, man, it's, it's, it's an interesting movie. Um, if you're listening to this listener and you haven't seen it, be warned. It's, it, it can be very, um, off-putting at times, but I, I think it's just a very great, shocking, artistic way of like somebody working through the shit that's going on in their life in their head, and it's 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 done. You know, again, I think the actors are great, William Defoe and and uh, Charlotte. Uh, what's her name? Gainsbourg? Is that right? Gainsborough. Who we've you know, with the next movie we're about to talk about, will be her third movie as well here on the Manfall Podcast because she was in Science of Sleep. Right, that was uh, his uh, his Stefan's love interest. So, but no, I, I I'm glad I watched it. Antichrist, it's a good movie. Um, it's it's a large Montreal movie. It's not, you know, he's one of those directors. You're just like it's a it's a large Montreal movie. That's all you got to say, and you just know to expect to see some very interesting things. Yeah, no, listener, if you're squeamish or if you're uncomfortable with anything, and you're still listening to this podcast, then obviously this movie might be right up your alley. If this is your first time listening to the podcast and you don't realize who we are, well, you're either going to like us or you're going to hate us. So, Just do a line of cocaine or something? <laughs> you know, that's right. I'm Dr. Schniffs. Mmm, <sighs> delicious. Mm, so good. Alani knew, dude. Alani knew. Is that that stuff you were drinking here? Yeah, that- dude. This Alani probably knew. was gonna kill me, dude. Really? Why probably that? not? I, I just have one a day, but like they're delicious. And it's just like a, a pure energy drink, I guess, or some something like that. It's an energy drink. It's also cool. maybe like a pre workout drink type of thing. Oh yeah, I don't need that in my life, bro. Wow, I mean that man. that that uh, green tea or whatever I had when we went to that one bubble place. I mean that shit had me wired, like just straight. No sugar, so I don't have any crash. What was that? Didn't we just watch that episode, Josh, with the uh, Dennis like controls his blood pressure right, but he goes in that Boba Fett thing. He's like, "You mean the little mechanisms to di- deliver diabetes, Boba?" No, thank you. I don't want that. <laughs> oh yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> uh, good times. Which Josh reminded me that the there was a cat in It's Always Funny named Jack Bauer. Who That's survived true. the explosion? So I was like, I forgot about that. Did you call it? It's always funny, because it is always <laughs> funny. <laughs> it's always funny in Philadelphia. Our new podcast coming to the Manfall Productions. That's what they should have named their podcast, bro. That's true. It should have, that would have been a good one. I just saw something where Danny DeVito was on some other podcast, and and he was talking about the time he was going in. They were going to shoot, and they somebody delivered a script to him. And they're like, the guys just rewrite the episode. Like, they want you to look at this. I read this on the way there. Get ready. And so it's an episode where Danny DeVito, for whatever reason, he does something. Antics happen. He gets thrown in jail. He gets pounded, banged in in jail. And, like, just throughout the whole, like, and antics keep happening. They're trying to get him out. And he gets banged by, the like, somebody else. And, like, he, like, gets banged all these times. And at the very end, 
They're like, hey, you posted bail. And he's walking out and this cop's like pointing a, a, a billy club at him and said, hey, you're not going to leave without saying goodbye. And he's, then the cops start banging me. And like, so DeVito's like telling the story. Then he's like, and then at the, the last part of the scene, the cop leans into me and says, April Fool's motherfucker. <laughs> he's like, these dudes, he, that's when I was like, realized, oh shit, it's April the 1st. He's like, these dudes literally wrote a fucking script to pull a prank on me to prepare for this episode where I get pounded in the ass like six times. That's, That's funny. So funny. Uh, love those guys. But Melancholia, dude, I will say first take for me, the Wolfman dodged a bullet, and now I know why fucking Peter Parker became what he did in episode three, because Kirsten Dunst was just, whew, sucked the life out of me, man. She's a, she plays that uh, Melancholia well, bro. That, that, that deep, dark depression or whatever she had. She obviously probably had bipolarism, her character, but man, dude, she was... It was that depressing. second, yeah, dude, it was depressing, dude. But interesting for me is I read an article once where they said that people who suffer from depression are very good, like the, their observations of things are more true. And so I think that kind of gets highlighted with how the level of depression she must battle when she knew like how many beans was were in the jar, right? Like it, it's just those small things in this movie, seeing it for the. I think it's the second time I've seen it. I mean, I remember it being a very existential, like, dread in this movie from the first time I watched it. But, like, like those things and this time around, I picked up on a lot of those things that he layers in more so than the first time. But uh, Zach, Melancholia, first time. Oh, man. It's crazy. It's a crazy, depressing movie. Like, um, if her life and marriage falling apart on the night of their wedding wasn't depressing enough, it the right. end of the world will depress the fuck out of you. Like, you're fucking like uh, spoilers. Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, but like your husband being too chicken shit to fucking die with you at the end of the world <laughs> is also Jack super. Jack Bauer depressing. would never fucking do that, bro. He would never do that. But I mean, I guess like, what would you do? Would you, how I would try and get out as quickly as possible because it's work. You're going to die anyway, right? You're going to die anyway. And you have to live those remaining, I don't know, 12 hours a day with the knowledge that it's going to crash into you. You have to deal with that anxiety. Might as well just fucking go as quick as possible. Yeah. Look, man, I think we, you know, you, you know, you, you once told me if I wanted a life experience to do a certain something, but, you know, I think everybody's always, especially in a, in a in a society that we live in right now, with you got to post it, you know, put it on social media, get the likes, TikTok, all of that, right? Like everybody's trying to present that they want a fucking major experience. So I'm gonna live that. I'm gonna fuck. I'm not gonna cop out and fucking no, no, no. I'm gonna sit there and I'm gonna ride that fucking wave, bro. If it came down to that, there's nothing left to do, really. Like you can't. No, one hundred percent. 100% like so just he, let's just fucking ride it out bro let me just stand there on a hill with my arms raised and just but no I mean you get to heaven Peter's like dude, dude that was dude. crazy bro high five I know <laughs> I know <laughs> now look who's to say I mean I say that now with bravado but who, who's like if a, if a planet was literally coming to crash into earth who knows really right like one, would we even survive? And I think, uh, and Josh, you can kind of follow up after like this, but Josh made a point. He's like, dude, I wonder, like, watching this movie, 
what's happening in the towns and the cities when all this is happening like so right and I, I was like oh that's very good point of view that Lars Ventures chose to do it on this like estate of this really filthy rich person and his fucking crazy crazy in-laws you know in, in this remote place to it, it was very interesting but Josh like what did what were your it sounds like you like this movie a lot more than Antichrist yeah I mean I like I do like this one a little bit more just because I felt like I could see a lot of more of the, the, the things layered in this movie compared to the other one. It's like, obviously this, this lady is just so deeply depressed. Uh, it, it's almost like towards the end of the movie, it's like her manifestation of her depression starts like going everywhere in this movie. It's like, it's, it becomes the thing the depression becomes the movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know if how if that's I'm an interesting way of right. thinking about it. I didn't think about it. So what you're saying is like, it, it, it could be like, you're like for the individual, the movie's telling a story where for the individual, you're so depressed that your whole life and everything around you, the whole world becomes that. And so like this movie's representing that where, yeah, you're so depressed, mm-hmm. and then it gets exemplified. Okay, that's interesting. I didn't think about that. What would y'all like? So, in an instance like that, you what? What would you? What I told Junior, I would do. I've talked about it on the podcast before. Uh, a video game named Legend of Zelda: Majora's Mask. I would do a speed run of that game in uh, try and beat the game in three days in game days in that game without restarting time and beating that game. Because if, if the listeners, if y'all don't know, Majora's Mask is kind of similar themed, this very daunting feeling of depression and dread in that game where the moon is going to crash into the world. And there's only three days uh, to just prepare for it, leave for it. Regardless of what's going to happen, they're all going to die, even regardless of they think they can get away with get away with it, go far away, dig far enough, wherever. Like that's the whole theme of that game, and God, I fucking love that game so goddamn much. And one of the darker Legend of Zelda games, I would so, play that game. So you're saying you would play that game before the planet hits you? <laughs> yes, yeah. That's what it said. That ending was such a that if you ever beat that game, that ending is so goddamn beautiful because okay, it's like it's like a what is it? Uh, it's like groundhog day you you play that game so much over and over again you the game is very compact and condensed uh you get to um meet everyone over and over again you get to know who they are what are their what are they scared of what are their they they you see that they their their feelings are coming out he's like yes the moon's falling down but i really want to go home and see these chickens grow up i i've never i learned to, you know they'll tell you about a certain thing that that's deep within them and they always wanted to see because the moon's the the dread the looming dread is like coming down you're like oh my god now i get to know this person a little bit more you move on to the next person and that's why i like that but yeah what were you gonna say Zach? i was gonna say would you say you care more about video game characters and yes dude i will i will, I will answer for feelings you yes more than yes. you care about actual people sometimes like <laughs> i mean what, what what we come what we're starting to realize is Josh is fucking will hunting, but for games. Yes, yes, he's, he's, he's a genius. Like, and like here, you know, Sean's like, hey, like who are you? you don't have very interesting conversations. Like 
I got plenty of people, you know, Freud, blah, blah, blah. Like, those are his people that he communicates with, bro. And he's just a gaming genius. Yeah. We just, we're just now realizing this on the pod, bro. Like, this is Josh. Wait, what do you mean? What? <laughs> bro, I wish I was a gaming genius. There's just so much stuff I don't know. Well, but maybe you're a gaming emotional quotient. Like, you're EQ, you're EQ genius of gaming. What if you started looking at life as a game, bro? <laughs> Would you start caring about people? Well, if I had a head up, heads up display, would you try you know and steal my fucking to... VHSs, bro? <laughs> First of all, fucking, you, you just walk in, it. you think you can take things that aren't yours, bro? The thievery. Just, you know what? I, I can understand why that person had came up to you, dude. No. He was written all that. She knew. She knew what you were gonna do. <laughs> I am gonna take. I'm gonna record myself destroying your Anna Green game. Wow, this is getting. Dude. That's just fucking. This rude. is. Are you gonna stomp his <laughs> dick with a fucking stump of wood too, bro? Like, what is going no, on? I'm here? gonna like, use a stump of wood to destroy the end of Green Gables. <laughs> is that yeah. green enough for you, Annie? He's like, just melt into the green. You're green now, like he said in the Antichrist. Mm, that's right. I, I did like that shot, bro. I, I think- don't know how he wouldn't freak out having his fucking hand covered in ticks, dude. I'd like, I have Lyme disease now. Oh yeah, for real. That yeah, dude, that trip me that up, was- dude. I'd be like, we need to go to town now. Well, but then I also thought about, again, the lighthouse reference. I'm like, oh, that could just be like, you know, the what's the shit that gets stuck to the bottom of the boat? Barnacles. Barnacles. Barnacles, yeah. That's what it made me think. I'm like, this guy is the lighthouse fucking guy. It might be. It's crazy. But no, so Josh would definitely just play a video game with the an impending doom coming on. Because so the power goes out, Josh. What are you going to do? I know. That's what I said, too. I was like, well, I wouldn't know what to do because the power would be gone. So <laughs> it would be like what we talked about a few episodes back where if you die, your life it flashes before your eyes. But it's just the moments where you weren't playing video games. <laughs> you just you sitting there <laughs> sleeping and going hey to work. Man, if I can get if that last moment were to recall, like as the moon or whatever the planet was falling or coming to you. If I could just get the last moments to recall the last, the very last moments of Majora's Mask, I'd have been happy. Because that always brings a tear to my eye every time the ending of Majora's Mask. It's so good. So, a planet, moon, whatever, barreling into Earth would not bring a tear to your eye, but that game ending would? They both, well, I mean, I feel like they both would. It's it's kind of, it's, it's weird of me saying it. it's kind of beautiful to see it go like this just because, like, you get... We observe, uh, scientists obviously observe all these types of phenomenon happening in the galaxy. The sun's being ripped apart by galaxies. The planets, some moons colliding with planets, you know, and seeing all this. And it's like, oh, we actually finally get to see it. And and it's just going to be all of existence, all the greatest people, all the everything is, all exists right here that we know of. And it's just going to go on like that, you know, kind of, kind of, it's kind of, Kind of, kind of beautiful a little, a little bit. I don't know. It's just me. It is, but it's mm. also depressing as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> now going back to you said like, uh, her husband, um, killing you know Jack Bauer killing himself like and leaving his wife. But like I think that was basically just highlighting the type. Of, you know, she like put him in the barn, or she like covered hay over him. Said he went riding. You know. And you saw it with Justine's wedding, Chris, you know, Kirsten does his character in the first half of the movie where 
she's just trying to take care of everything. Like, so she clearly is that type of person where she's always trying to take care of the situations. And unfortunately, she meets a situation where she can't, you know, there's no way she can take care of a fucking planet running into them. Um, which, I mean, I don't know. That's a lot of, like, context to unpack. Like, you know, what what is Lars von Trier, like, working through? But it, it is interesting, like, that she just took care of it. Like, she just covered him up with hay. And was like, oh, he took Abraham for a ride. Um, which, that's kind of depressing in itself, right? I, I think, you know, somebody that's always just taking care of everybody else's messes. Like, that has to be a lonely place. Big time. Like, that would be a nightmare, dude. Especially when you had parents like they'd had. No. God, that yeah. mom was a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'd be depressed if that was my mom, dude. Oh, dude. Oh, also, what I... was up with the dad? And, like, when he wrote the piece of paper, it said, to my dearest daughter, Betty... What was this thing with the the name Betty and the, and the women that he had that was with Betty? Like, what the fuck was up with that? It just seemed like he had dementia to me. Like, well, I mean, her name's Justine, but I mean, I, I just think it's that's what he likes. That's his in fact his, his affectionate term word. for women. Like He's Betty, obsessed with women, Betty Boop. Type yeah, of Betty, yeah, Betty. Yeah. So originally, Lars, our our newfound friend, Lars. <laughs> had written and was in contact with Penelope Cruz for the role that uh, Kirsten Dunst had. Oh, really? How do you think that would have been? I don't know, because I think I've just become so accustomed to her being, it being Kirsten Dunst, but I mean, Penelope Cruz would have wrought like a, another level of intensity, I feel like, in the role. Like I think you would, there would be a lot more sharp difference between the the manic stage of Kirsten Dunst and the. I think Kirsten Dunst plays it kind of even killed both both parts, like as far as like when she was kind of manic at the beginning and then when she's kind of going into her gloom. But I, I don't know. I, for me, I, I'm I'm used to it being fucking Mary Jane. Um, right. So. I think with Kirsten Dunst. Well, Penelope Cruz, I don't think I've ever seen her in anything where she's been like sad or depressed, like or depressed. Maybe she's been sad, but like depressed. Kirsten Dunst. So it would be weird, right? Like, I don't know if she could pull it off. Um, but Kirsten Dunst, she has like, even as Mary Jane in the Spider-Man movies, there's moments where she just goes like dead in the face and dead eye. And you kind of like, dude, is this is so she can kind of like that depression could be there like just like apathy for life you can kind of see more of an argument for it i mean obviously von our buddy lars who would probably have been good friends with our our late brother chet um (laughs) (laughs) he obviously saw crazy beautiful right is that the movie that she was in with uh jay rodriguez Uh, she's that high school girl remember that movie because she has, it almost feels like it's just the grown-up version of that character to a degree. One of the other things I picked up at the end when she said that line, like, if you look up, and I'm gonna get pedantic or didactic, whichever one the word is, but like one of the definitions for melancholy goes to endogenous depression, and it talks about a depression that doesn't come from externally, internally, and and I'm like, 
was like, oh, dude, this is this is what this representation of movie is like. Here's this planet coming barrel barreling down on Earth. They call it melancholia. It's like basically like this doom of depression doesn't come from outside. It comes from within. When she said like life on Earth is evil, no one's gonna fucking listen. I would assume that's that's somebody like that's almost something. Yeah, that's something somebody who's very depressed like. Like, no one's going to miss me if I'm gone. Like, I'm just an evil, whatever the depression, I'm evil, or I'm a piece of shit, or whatever, right? And I'm like, damn, bro, like, just the, those layered things this time around watching the movie was just a lot more heightened for me, um, especially after watching Antichrist first, because, like, that had a lot of themes going on, too, a lot of layering. So, yeah, I mean, it's it, the idea of a planet barreling down on us, and at first everybody being like, oh, we're going to be fine, the scientists say. We're gonna be fine, right? And then guess what? The scientists were made to be a science bitch, as Mac as Mac would say. Proving again they were wrong. Again, if you're just watching a movie to be entertained, easily like a what what they call a, a theme park movie nowadays, like it, these aren't the movies for you. But if yeah, you really if like you're them, not an an avid lover of art, if you're just a simpleton that can suspend their disbelief whenever there's a shitty Marvel movie. If you're a fucking nothing, then, you know, it's not a movie for you. <laughs> let's, oh. let's get into the science stuff of this instead of breaking this down. Okay. Like, okay, so the moon, or sorry, the planet moved across from them, just, just right past Earth, right? Mm-hmm. But then it's like, nah, son, we're going to turn around and reverse right into the planet. Well, like, no, if you look at the Dance of Death picture it showed it was the it gravity passes right? yeah the, the gravity it gives it it changed the trajectory we it got yeah, caught in Earth's gravity. That's what I thought. that junior gave me such a look like i was stupid when i said it's like bro it's gonna sling it that's what it showed on the dance i never said that i never looked no no, at no you didn't say it you gave me this look I didn't like you I either, dude. <laughs> dude. how I we're watching it. the movie bro, bro yeah, don't call and i out. watched you dude don't call junior out like that how dare you bro <laughs> oh my god you're right i'm not allowed to do anything like that no, I, I don't. I don't understand because I'm watching the movie. How can I give you a look? Yeah, dude, you're no, you watching the movie. How a, can you look at you? Responded when I asked. It was like, oh, it's just like the moon is like. How did it return? It's like it, I was like, oh, it's probably because it slung around with gravity or something because the dance of death showed that. And he did like this, like head quick back. Well, like, who asked the you I, asked the question and then you answered like that doesn't make any sense. You're saying. I asked a question or you asked a question? I asked a question to you and you responded with such a with such a negative facial response. <laughs> like I was dumb, bro. I was like, okay. <laughs> because you answered your own question. Bro, I was like, is this that's like why whenever sh- you were at <laughs> and you thought that lady was profiling you. <laughs> you thought if you I gave you a look, your intelligence, bro. <laughs> one, I, I can't give you a look if I don't look at you. So, like, one, that's for me. If I yeah, had clearly a look, he was watching the movie. He did yeah. not look at you once, bro. If I had a look, though, it was probably because it's like <laughs> that was the scene of her pulling the, like that's why that's in there. Like it showed that, and you answered your own question. So I was like, yeah, that's. But this was like way after she tried to attempt to print it, and it was like already barreling towards him at like. Right, I'm saying if there was a look, it was me like saying like, dude, they showed that already. That was the point of that whole scene. 
Not just mm-hmm. to build a conflict between her. Oh and god, he's so he's like God. He's so stupid. <laughs> he already saw it. <laughs> so it was our response to that. <laughs> yes, you got it. That he missed he, it, and, and he's responding to me. What's even what worse is that it took you this long to understand, and we had to have a <laughs> conversation about it. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful though, beautiful, beautiful stuff. But uh, no, and then and then so Josh is like wouldn't that be here faster if it's going 60,000 miles an hour? I'm like, well, I think the moon's like 240,000 miles away from earth. So if it's at least the distance of the moon, it would take four hours, but which would speak to the science that it seemed like a lot longer than four hours. Like, but I guess it had to go past it and come back. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Maybe 12 hours. Who knows? Like, well, that was the thing. How close did it get? Cause if the moon is 240,000 miles away and there are sometimes the, that the moon looks pretty big in the sky. So when it passed initially in the nighttime, it looked way closer than any moon's ever been. So it had to have gotten like 120,000 miles from the Earth. That's pretty like, close. Wouldn't like, it also? Oh, yeah. Like, wouldn't like, it also throw like the moon's orbit like way off? Or like pull it? Yeah, well, yeah the it moon. With the other, yeah, pull it with the other planet or some shit? Like, because it swung past it. So wouldn't it pull that the our moon into that or or not exactly that orbit would just pull it off its gravitational pull of the Earth's and then maybe somehow just sling into Earth first before I don't know. I mean, I, I a lot of people like the husband wasn't really concerned. He was like, "It's a once in a lifetime thing." I'd be like, "What about what happens to the fucking planet?" Even yeah. if it doesn't hit the planet, like the tidal oh, forces yeah. are going to be different. Yes. Like it took a portion of the atmosphere. It could collide with the moon. Like, it, yeah. we, it could slow down the spin of the Earth. Like, what happens if we're slowed down just a little bit by its gravity? Like, that would fuck up the entire weather pattern. There's so much that goes into this. Even if it doesn't hit the planet and we just get a flyby, that's going to fuck up the natural order of the world. Like, that's oh, what yeah. I would be anxious about. Again, yeah, but... The planet was fucking huge. It was like... It showed a picture of it in the beginning. Like, it was when like it was four or five by. times the size yeah, of it. Yeah. Maybe ten. <laughs> it was crazy. Wouldn't that be crazy if something like that did happen? But then Earth becomes a moon of that planet, and it's, it's probably it's, what would happen. Um, yeah, because like, isn't that how our moon came to be? At least one of the theories is like something collided with, with, uh, with, with Earth, and then it was like that piece just continuously just loomed around us, and that's how we got the moon. Was the moon was a part of Earth, and something collided with it? You know, so that would happen with that that planet. And he's like, well, a chunk came off of that planet. And now that's the new moon or some shit like that. I don't know. Yeah, no, going back real quick, though, like, I, I I don't know how the moon got there. I mean, that's a good question. That's why I think I've always heard. Well, I was there. there. Oh, you were there? Okay. And I put it there. <laughs> was okay. it one of your blood nuts? I just yeah. like. <laughs> but Zach, going back to like the care, like what, what would affect like, bro, he's filthy fucking rich, bro. He has 18 golf, 18 holes of golf on his fucking estate. You think. He cares what it's going to do to the planet. He has enough money, bro. You don't bro, worry about that shit. Money only matters if society continues to function. Dude. Yes. Like, like, it's just a number in a fucking bank account, dude. That's meaningless whenever fucking the grid goes down or society, you know, 90% of the world's population dies. Like, nobody's going to care that you can buy your ticket into the vault. If you're not cool enough to get into the vault or quick <laughs> enough to get in the cool vault, you're enough. fucked, bro. I'm sure he had some gold on the estate somewhere in a, in a He's vault. He's like, on a, on a scale of how important you are, it's like, 
All right, uh, we're gonna need custodians. Okay, so we're gonna get the best custodians we need. Uh, we need we need people to make us laugh. We gotta have some of those. <laughs> we need entertainers. We, you know, it's just like all these lists of like people that would need to survive. That you know, he's like, all right, we need we need beautiful people. We love looking at beautiful people. Um, we gotta have some average Joes, not a lot, just some average Joes. Um, we need. <laughs> They're we like, need a leader. There's a cap that's on the rich me. people. <laughs> we have enough. We, we built this place. We don't need more rich people. That's just going to be annoying. We're just going to start fights between each other. But, I mean, like, there would have to be... What would be interesting is what are the people's contingency plan? Because you know there's some people that did the math correctly it, that were higher up in the government that knew what was going to happen. Like, do you take off? Do you I get mean, off fucking earth? Yeah, but where are you going to go, dude? I mean, it's. I think exactly. what you would do potentially is go far out in space or far enough away from the orbit of Earth that you're just waiting for the impact to happen. And then you just, the rest of your life, hopefully, you have enough supplies to live sustainably forever orbiting that planet. You get in like orbit around that planet and like some type of space station. But it would be the only orbit. way. To... There'd be so much debris. Well, eventually, like that's the thing. Like you follow closely, you know, maybe map out that thing. Like if this was possible, which it's probably not, uh, but no. you would want to <laughs> probably go either in orbit around that planet or just take off to Mars and probably on Mars. I would, I would have, I would try my luck on Mars, man. It's like you see those uh, pictures like... of Mars. It looks like a fucking canyon in like Arizona. I was like, yeah, I could probably. I mean, probably go insane with no one to talk to except for a little yeah. Roomba robot. I was about to say you say that, bro, but you you don't you don't travel for work, bro. Like so, like I'm just applying my own anecdote. Like staying in a hotel for two or three days makes me feel so miserable by day three because I'm like I just want to go home and sleep in my own bed. You don't go like, down and talk to like the people in the lobby, dude. Like the I know. I mean, I I well when I used like, to stay you when come I have a drink. <laughs> when I when I used to stay at the Hilton Garden Inn more, I would go to the hotel bar and, and have dinner there and drink a few beers. But um, lately, I've been at the courtyard and I just fucking I just stay in my room. But my point is just the the fact that like being away from what's normal and your your norm, it can be like if it, like I I hear what you're saying, but like and I would think I would do the same. But like just knowing that I'm on a fucking different planet, like away from everything i've ever known and i can't go back like that i that's very fucking depressing and scary um because you're never going to have those comforts that you had those um that safety i guess that can again it's a false safety because again at any time something could just fucking come out of space and smash into us yes but at least i'll be here in my comfort of my own home when it happens the AC stops working, bro. It's not gonna be comfortable, bro. Ooh, <laughs> fucking into the world. But I would just say, like, if if I was one of those people that, like, I don't know. I, again, I think I would just write it out because best case scenario, we launch off a spaceship. It's probably not gonna have a lot of supplies on it. Like, what we're what we're doing? We're extending us two or three days of existence, maybe a week, two weeks. Like, might as well just yeah, go out not, with everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, and you wouldn't be living per se. You would be surviving. Surviving, yes. Isn't that what we do already? Bro, I mean, I'm leisurely sitting on my ass. So. <laughs> yeah. I was well, about to say, your Josh. Heart, your heart is struggling, huh? bro. It's surviving. 
<laughs> yeah, dude. I, I, I was gonna say, ask Josh about my struggles, my first world problems. They updated, bro. The iOS like, on he, the Apple TV. He, bro, every time this man tries to open like a, an app on his smart TV or whatever on his Apple TV, and there's one thing that's supposed to be there, but it's not there. It's the most interesting thing to watch. This man gets so angry. <laughs> It's yeah. it's not angry. He gets he gets a little upset. He gets he gets a little disgruntled. It's, it's boomer level. Like he, what? <laughs> it kind of is. <laughs> when something's not working, technology, bro. You should see whenever he he's like, I need to sign in again. Oh, like it's it's the worst. <laughs> it's so funny to watch. Josh is like, sir, we're at a Wendy's. It's <laughs> like, sir, we're sitting down. Just it's like, calm down. <laughs> like we're okay. Hey, we'll look, man. <laughs> This was supposed to make my life easier, technology. Dude. Oh my god! Dude. Now it inconvenienced me. Fuck you, technology. Fuck bruh, you, bruh. I'm just joking, Singularity. I love you. It just killed us all. <laughs> <laughs> just like that. Oh, uh, but melancholia. Yeah, melancholia. Like, how fucking crazy was Kirsten Dunst in that first part where she banged Tim? Dude. Yeah. Was it Tim or Todd? It was Tim. Tim. I think it was Tim, but I don't remember. Yeah, um, dude. I mean, well, I guess here's the question: What was more existential dread for you watching that first half with that whole wedding and the debacle she makes of it, or the impending doom of the fucking planet hitting us? The planet, uh, like always. Yeah, I, I'm always <laughs> more depressed. No, like if I die, I'm okay with it because I know that humanity is just gonna continue on. But whenever it's all gone, that is the ultimate, it was all for nothing. Like, there's nothing, there's no, everything we did was all meaningless. Every thought and existential quandary, every piece of art, all gone, is just the most deafeningly depressing thing. It's like, which begs to diff- begs the question, like, how many other planets that were like this had happened to them in that world. You know what I mean? And in, in, in the, in the universe, like advanced civilization, just a civilization. And then a planet just crashes into them. And then somehow I mean, it probably wasn't a planet, but like a meteor, maybe something. Yeah. And then all of it just goes culture, literature, um, famous movies, books, podcasts, podcasts, all gone. Just like that. They never existed. Damn, bro, I'm gonna cry. Like they never existed. <laughs> Marvel will make a movie about it. We'll call it Loki with the extinction events. Mm. Which should be coming back for season two and soon. <laughs> Who cares, bro? Fuck, fuck Apple. <laughs> or uh, Disney. Disney. Dude, like, those motherfuckers. Those motherfuckers. Like, those motherfuckers. <laughs> They ruined it. They they fucking what... it was their they had the ball. It was fourth down. They were up by fucking you know ten in the fourth quarter with you know five minutes to go, and they threw an interception, Just ran got... back for a touchdown. <laughs> they they got pick six. That's what you're saying. They got greedy. They got greedy, dude. That fucking shit sucks so much. Like they ruined American cinema and then ruined the cinema they were making you know every time humanity has thought that it's the end of the way it used to be we come back and surprise ourselves somehow so maybe that will continue hopefully unless a planet barrels down on us and 
fucking all existence is done. Fucking depressing, bro. <laughs> That's just, that is the horror of this week's episode. The depression, bro. Um, which I guess that would be the question. Would a person that is extremely depressed, like melancholia or... Yeah, I'll just use Kirsten, the Kirsten's Dunst character. How well would they survive in the other genres of horror? Horror, like slasher or... They would survive very well. You think so? It's interesting. They, somebody said something. Maybe it was Lars von Trier I was reading. But he said, I, I heard that most people that have depression handle moments of high stress very well because automatically and by default, they already assume the worst is going to happen. So whenever mm. the worst does happen, they already expected it. Whereas other people who don't or aren't depressed freak out like you saw her sister freak out when she wasn't freaking out. So right. she'd probably be like, what are you guys doing? It's just a serial killer. Like, Just, just get a gun, stupid. Um, yeah, she'd like, just like, shoot him. Just sh- <laughs> why are you dropping your keys? Like, just open the door. <laughs> Like she would just walk inside and lock the door. <laughs> Nobody would kill her. Like, and then I guess next week we'll wrap the Halloweeny with the uh, you know kind of going back to the more classical Universal monster uh, monsters, not depression, but vampires. We'll with our watch... other, our other uh, Jack Bauer experience. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the Lost Boys and uh, Fright Night, and so Corey Haim will be back again too. Mm. Talk to y'all later. See ya. Au revoir.